It's a huge army. Nobody would have said that's a good plan. But because Gideon believed despite the circumstances, he got to experience that. And the Bible is full of those stories. And it's not like the Bible and the life of the kingdom, although the Bible closed 2,000 years ago, we walk in that same faith today. The Bible's full of unlikely circumstances that reveal God's glory. There's stories like Gideon's, or as you'll hear today, like that of Caleb. Both men faced impossible odds, but God worked through them for miraculous results. They simply had to trust God and believe He'd do as He said. As you listen to Pastor Daniel today, remember that God still works in unlikely situations, and He's at work in yours as well. Just trust Him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Joshua chapter 14 with part two of his message, Caleb and the West Side. So we're not saved by our works, but once we are saved, our ability to experience all that God is for us in Christ is actually found through obedience. And when we take steps of faith to walk in obedience with the Lord, then you get to experience what it truly means to be a child of God. And in any way that we choose disobedience, we actually cut the knees out of our ability to be able to experience God the way he wants us to experience him. So you have to simply ask yourself, what areas of disobedience do you have? And here's the thing. All of us have them. There's not one of us that doesn't have areas of struggle or areas of disobedience, right? And some of you might be like, well, I don't have anything. It's because you're blinded, which is disobedience. Like all of sin and falling short of the glory of God, we're all in process and God is doing a work. And the key for each one of us is to choose God's way despite how we feel, despite what our culture tells us to do, despite what our friends tell us to do if they give us lousy counsel. And to choose God's way and trust that God is going to work out whatever the thing is. And what I have learned in my life is that God empowers us on the step of obedience. That God's empowerment comes not before we take the step, but as we take the step. God meets our step with his empowering presence so that we can walk in it. And I think for each one of us, we have to learn the simple art of, I just want to be an obedient child. Now you might say, well, why would God say you shouldn't do this thing? Because it's kind of fun. I just talked to someone about this the other day. They said, well, you know, I I know that the Bible says I shouldn't, but it's kind of fun. And I'm like, well, listen, the Bible does say that sin is pleasurable for a season. But really what it boils down to is that God loves each one of us so much that he doesn't want us to hurt ourselves. And God is not interested in temporary pleasures. He is interested in his blessings abiding in our life. And the problems with disobedience is it gives us a temporary pleasure. But that temporary pleasure doesn't stay pleasurable. At some point it leaves you empty. 
And when it leaves you empty, then once you've been trying to experience God's blessing through disobedience and you end up empty, then the only thing you know how to do is continue to try and fulfill that emptiness with more flesh, which gives you that very rapid downward spiral into a place that is bleak and hurtful. And if we're honest, all of us have experienced that in all different ways. So what God wants for us is he wants us to trust him even when we don't want to. Like I said this a million times, I'll never stop saying it because I live this way, is don't wait to want to do something to do the right thing. Like I always say, I want to say yes to the Lord even when I don't feel like it and I ask God to bring my heart around. Because too many of us like, well, you know, I'm going to follow my heart. Listen, don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus and lead your heart. And so what goes on is that each one of us needs this. Don't wait till you feel like it. Do what you're supposed to do. And as you take that step of faith that you don't want to take, but you know you need to take it, as you take the step of faith, say, God, you know I am doing this obediently, but I don't really want to. Will you change my heart? Will you, as I take this step, will you change my heart? And what I've learned is that when I take a step of obedient faith, And I say, Lord, you know, I don't really feel like doing this, but change my heart. You know what he starts doing? Starts changing my heart. So that at some point, at a later date, I actually want to do the right thing. And I don't have to fight with myself to do it. I want to do it because God has changed my heart. So like right now, for those of you who are married, you may not feel like loving and serving your spouse because you got all this water under the bridge and all this stuff goes on. But guess what? You honor the Lord because he says that's what you're supposed to do. And he said, Lord, you know, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. We change my heart. And you know what he does? He changes your heart. But he won't change your heart if you don't do it. But if you choose to take the step of faith, he will change your heart. Like with your jobs. Or for those of you who are like, well, my job is school right now. When you do your job as unto the Lord, not as unto your boss, right? So that you do not what everyone else does, but you do what you're supposed to do. You do your job with excellence as an act of worship to the Lord, and your employer gets the benefit, and they give you money to be there. When you don't feel like doing it, but when you step out in faith, God will enliven that within you. And before you know it, it doesn't matter what your boss thinks. It doesn't matter what the company thinks, because you know who you're living before. And as you take that step of faith, God changed your heart. You know what that's called when you do that? It's called faithfulness. You're faithful on your job. You're faithful in your school. And when you are faithful, God now can work with that. But you don't learn faithfulness doing the things that you want to do. You learn faithfulness when you take steps of obedient faith with things you don't want to do. Does it make sense? So the children of Israel did exactly, exactly what God had told Moses to do. They did exactly that thing. And I want to, you know, the children of Israel can get knocked in all these different ways as we read the Bible. We see them make all these mistakes. But when this happens, I'm like, yeah. They followed God's plan in his heart to the letter. Now, on the heels of that, it says, then the children of Israel came to Joshua in Gilgal. This is verse six. So the first inheritance that we look at of the nine and a half tribes in the promised land on the west side is the tribe of Judah. Now, of course, the tribe of Judah ends up getting that place of supremacy in the pecking order. Even though Judah was the fourth born because of a number of different things, Judah becomes the most important. And obviously, you know from the New Testament that what tribe was Jesus from? Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
all your genealogies in the New Testament remind you that Jesus is the promised Messiah that comes from the line of Judah, right? But before we get into the land for Judah, there's one descendant of Judah who gets special placement. And that's this man, notice, in the middle of verse 6. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Verse 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, what's beautiful about this is Joshua was there with Caleb at this moment. If you remember, this is a reminder back to Numbers chapters 13 and 14. The children of Israel had just left Egypt and they were on the precipice of the promised land and Moses grabbed 12 spies, one from each of the tribes and sent them into the promised land to spy out the land. And if you remember, they came back and they said, man, this is a, there's walled cities. They brought back fruit that was so big that they had to put it on a huge stick that two people carried. So not like some small fruit. This place was, this was a luxurious place. It was so filled with everything they could need. But 10 of the spies said, we should absolutely not go into that land. We cannot conquer those cities. There are giants in the land. But two of those 12 spies said, no, no, no. God has given us that land. And all that they said is true. There are giants in the land. There's great walled cities. There's so much stuff there. But because God has given us the land, we should go. And ultimately, the people would not go. They followed the terrified ten instead of the faithful two. And if you remember, at the sin of Kadesh Barnea, God pronounced judgment on the lack of faith of the children of Israel. And he said, this entire generation is going to perish in the wilderness except for the two spies who said we should go take that land and those two spies were joshua and caleb we've been hearing all about joshua but now once again caleb comes back on the scene and caleb recounts to joshua their experience together he said man i was 40 years old I was one of those spies and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. He says, but the brethren went up with me. They terrified the people. They made their hearts melt. But I love this. But I wholly follow the Lord, my God. Now, I want to stop there for a second because each one of us is one of those two people. Each one of us. We're in one of those two categories. We are either somebody who wholly follows the Lord, and when you do, you build up people around you, or you're someone who doesn't, and you will cause fear in people's lives. 
Now, I know that's like, well, hey, no, like, is it really that black and white? And I know we live in a world of gray and there's lots of gray, but our Bible says that you're either a saint or you ain't. Like, you're either in Christ or you're not. She said, you either gather with me or you scatter abroad. Right? You're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit. There's no like, I'm kind of in both. No. It's one or the other. You either walk in the flesh, you walk in rebellion against God, or you walk in the spirit. You could say it this way. You're either a missionary or you're somebody's mission field. You're either somebody who comes as an ambassador of Jesus in his name, or you're somebody who God needs to send somebody to so that you can be built up and discipled to be an ambassador in Jesus' name. And in the same way here, you're either somebody who promotes faith in God by following him and being able to say, listen, yes, this is huge. God has given us a huge inheritance. And yes, it's a huge step of faith. But because God has given it to us, we can trust him. Or you're someone who says, no, 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 no. It couldn't go bad for you. That step of faith, don't do it. And you have to ask yourself, which person are you? And here's the thing. And this is what I love so much about Jesus. If you don't like your honest answer to that question, then you don't have to be that person. You're choosing to be that person. Because I'm here to tell you, Jesus didn't come on a rescue mission and died and risen from the grave so that we would be people who cause people's hearts to melt. People to get fearful. People to not take steps of faith. That's not why Jesus came on a rescue mission. And many of us have chosen that position, but that is not who you are in Christ. Maybe your parents taught it to you or the hard knocks of life taught you that this isn't going to work out or whatever it is. But I'm here to tell you, when you keep your eyes on the Lord and you wholly follow the Lord, not partially, when you really follow after him, you will find yourself believing things that make no sense to anybody else. But because you're following the Lord, it's like, okay, let's go do it. I mean, there's so many biblical examples of this. I think about when the children of Israel left Egypt. Do you remember, they end up with the sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them. And God's counsel to Moses is, stand and see the salvation of your God. I mean, that's the worst possible counsel for a type A person. It's like, I got all these people, I got a sea, and I got an army, just stand there and watch what I do. You can imagine Moses being like, What? Yeah, I'm going to stand here. Can I do something? I put on my boxing gloves. I get some rocks. Like, let me do something. And what happened? God parted, miraculously parted that sea. Where it literally says that the water was like walls on both sides of them. And God sent, like, as his glory, these clouds that came down. And literally the children of Israel walked through that sea unharmed as on dry land. And right as the Egyptian army tried to go in, guess what happened? The waters stopped their little aquarium-style thing, and they got wiped out. God sent Gideon with 300 men to go against a huge army. Nobody would have said that's a good plan. But because Gideon believed despite the circumstances, he got to experience that. And the Bible is full of those stories. And it's not like the Bible and the life of the kingdom, although the Bible closed 2,000 years ago, we walk in that same faith today. But you will never experience God's best unless you're willing to trust him. And following the Lord holy means you take steps that you wouldn't normally take, but because God asked you to take it, you do it anyway. You don't trust your own wisdom knowing that your wisdom is 
nothing in God's economy. I mean, our best days are filthy rags to God. Our most amazing thought is inconsequential in the mind of God. And because God is in the midst of his people, because the spirit of God indwells the born again follower of Jesus, there is potential within you to experience God unlike anything you ever dreamed of. But you have to follow. That's why I always say here at Crossroads that we just want to simply respond to Jesus. You know why? Because when you're following Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, we're going to go this way. So, okay. Because you're, fo- you're like, we're a follower. Now, I love this because when I tell people I'm a follower of Jesus, like, I'm not following nobody. I'm like, that's the biggest lie you ever believed. No, everyone follows something, someone. And listen, I'm here to tell you, if you are following the dictates of your own heart, you're like, well, I'm my own person. Because I was that guy. I mean, I grew up that way. It's like, hey, no one's going to give you nothing. You follow yourself. You look out for number one. That's the way I was raised. So I was really good at that. I was a nightmare when I was 20 years old, man. I mean, God's done a lot in me. You guys would be shocked, you know? And it's like, when you realize, like, when you just follow your own way, you're actually just following Satan, man. Like, like literally. Like, when you are a, I do it my way, as my honorary uncle Frank Sinatra sang, when you do it your way, you're actually following Satan. Because you know what Satan did? Satan did it his way. He decided he was not going to fulfill what God had for him. He wanted his own thing. I'm going to do it my way. So don't ever think for one second that you're just following yourself. You're doing it your way. It's a lie. We're all sheep. It's just a matter, do you follow the shepherd or do you follow the devil? And there ain't no gray area there either. There's lots of things in life that are great, but this isn't. And I love this because he's like, I wholly followed the Lord. And what's interesting is, as he goes on from here in verse 10, he says, and now behold... The Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel, this is in verse 10, wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, and yet I am as strong this day on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war both for going out and for coming in. Now, what's interesting is in these verses, you may not realize that this autobiographical story of Caleb actually gives us a great timeline for how long everything took because we find that he was 40 years old when they were first called to go over and the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And now he says, um, what, 85 years old. So what we don't realize is that what we've studied in the book of Joshua actually happened over five years. But isn't it amazing when you read these stories, it's like it happens in a week, right? It's like, we have this battle, we have this battle, we have this battle. Now This is something that's taken time. They've been in the promised land for five years, having all these different battles, all these things. We only get the highlights of the stories, not every detail. But what I love about this is he is praising God because he's saying, look, even though all my contemporaries, Joshua, other than you, perished in the wilderness, I'm as strong as I've ever been. Like, don't you wish you could be standing here hearing Caleb is 85 years old, him and Joshua are old, everyone else is young. He's like, man, I'm as strong as I was 45 years ago. I can go out to work, come back in, no problem. Now listen, I'll be honest. I got really convicted when I read that. 
Because for me, like as a 42-year-old guy, I got all this gray coming in on my beard. I'm like, man, I'm getting old. Some of you guys remind me that. You're like, man, you got gray coming in your beard. I'm like, you did this to me. Even my kids, they're like, dad, your beard's getting white. I'm like, that's because of you. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, because I love you so much. You know, and it's like, and you start feeling like, I'm, I'm 42, I'm getting old. But then you got a guy like Joshua who's like, man, I'm as young and ready to get at this thing as when I was 40. And he's 85. Now listen, you know what that means? When the Bible says that the Lord will renew our strength and cause us to mount up like on wings like eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will, so we won't faint. Caleb experienced this. He's 85, he's getting at it. So can we just all agree that we need to stop complaining about our age? Can we stop complaining about our energy levels? Man, I remember when I was really passionate, I had all this energy, and now I'm just tired and old. Like, that's American thinking. That's not biblical thinking. It's like, man, I worked my time. Now I'm just going to work on my short game in golf. I'm going to work on my mahjong. And I'm going to play crosswords till I croak. That's a lie. We want to be like Caleb. Caleb's like, man, I've never been as strong as I am right now. I got my energy and I got the wisdom that comes from living this life. Walking with the Lord. Following after him. And then what I love here is by the time we move into verse 12, look at what, and I love this. Caleb is the man. Look at what he says here. He says, now therefore, give me this mountain on which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. Now you can imagine Caleb, him and Joshua, the only guys in their 80s who were there because everyone else died. And you can imagine him being like, look, so I've been at war for five years. I made it. Can you give me that little lowland over there? Everyone's already wiped out. I just want to just go there. I want to plant some tulips. I want to drink some iced tea. And I want to relax. Would Caleb have been within his rights to ask for that, given his age? But Caleb doesn't ask for that. He says, I want that mountain over there where the Anakim are. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel's message today continued to be an encouragement to serve God, no matter your age. He shared how Caleb, an older man who had followed God faithfully for many years, wasn't ready to settle down and retire. Caleb wanted to keep fighting, to keep claiming ground as God had promised. As your life grows and changes, don't slow down. Keep fighting to take ground for the kingdom. Hey, everybody. Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus. But I actually believe that there are many of you right now, as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources into your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 
5100-514-0000. And we'll get some resources into your hands. Now don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel describes the details and locations of the land that would soon belong to the tribe of Judah. This tribe, though not from the firstborn of Jacob, became one of the more prominent parts of the Israelite nation. King David was from this tribe. So was the king of kings, Jesus. The details you'll learn from this next section of Scripture will remind you again of God's faithful plan. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.